Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Hello and welcome, everyone. Good morning to Orange Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. Fizz Radio is here on the Score 1260 every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We thank you so much for joining us this morning and tuning your dials in to hear about some Syracuse athletics. We're working remotely, staying socially distant. I'm in Massachusetts. Matt is in Connecticut. But we are still bringing all the sports news that you need to know about the 315 remotely and into your radio dials. So again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Make sure you catch all of our content out on orangefizz.net. And we have a jam-packed schedule today, Matt. We'll first be talking about, well, the uh, new changes that the NCAA is kind of leaning towards, and we'll touch on that first. And then we'll get into a future Syracuse NFL prospect conversation. And then basketball season is still or basketball recruiting rather is still going on so we'll catch you up on a couple different recruits that Syracuse is looking at in the coming years not only this year but also in a couple future years and then of course round out the show with Fizz feedback but let's get going right away on this edition of Fizz Radio today let's start off with the NCAA making a new rule they came out on Wednesday with a new announcement saying that they might actually be leaning towards allowing, and in fact, they are leaning towards allowing athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness. This has been a conversation going on for a while now, and it has been debated many a times. But the NCAA is finally starting to give in because there have been so many players, specifically in college basketball, that have been going straight to the G League once they created their new pathway program because they're getting paid in the G League and they're going to be losing money in college basketball. So the NCAA reacted to this and kind of changed up their approach and they're actually going to allow athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Matt, just your overall reaction. Let's just start this conversation because I know a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. Well, you mentioned the G League, Jared, and I think that's the most important part of all of this. Uh, Max Kellerman from First Take came out and said the other day that the NCAA should be scared due to the due to the kind of growth that the G League has been seeing in players that have skipped college ball entirely and gone straight to the to the pro level and just started to make money. Because at the end of the day, why would you go play at a college? Uh, you could sharpen your skills, but why do that when you could just go right to the G League and get some money for doing the same thing? Uh, I think that this is a move the NCAA really had to make to, to keep themselves uh, in contention with the G League. Uh, players, the only reason they're going to stay now is because they know they can make some money doing the same thing they were doing before. Um, maybe it'll cause some uh, issues with teammate and locker room chemistry. That's yet to be seen. Overall, I think this is a really good move and one that the NCAA really had to make. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree that it is a conversation and a decision that is ultimately going to benefit the NCAA because without it, they would lose a lot of their athletes to the G League. 
and I could even see maybe the NFL coming out with something like that, some type of developmental league where if they can get enough names to join that and enough players to join that, they could start maybe a four or five or maybe six team league that you don't have too many players, but you have enough to be able to field a small league and you take away from the NCAA football. Uh, that obviously hasn't happened yet, but the, this G League thing has, and the NCAA has to change if they want their athletes to be staying in college basketball. Now, with this change, I don't think, I still think that the top prospects are still going to the G League because they're still going to make upwards. There, there have been reports that the best prospects in this G League pathway program, they could make upwards of a half a million dollars, $500,000 in one year. Now, if you really think about going to college and if you're one of the type of talents that can do a one and done and you're done after one year, you're not going to make $500,000 just on endorsements. So that's a conversation that you really have to think about with, is this going to solve all their issues? No but it will solve at least a little bit and it's a good step in the right direction. Well, here's the reason I think it could be the absolute opposite of what you just said for the same reason. The okay. NCAA holds a lot more power just in how uh, prestigious college basketball is compared to the G League. A whole lot of people watch NCAA basketball. I don't know anybody who watches the G League. Uh, I'd say that those guys who are those top prospects could totally make upwards of $500,000 playing at the college level. I think that uh, a guy like Zion Williamson 100% would have gotten to that point just because he was, he was the most famous guy in basketball at yeah. some point just for uh, how good he was, how explosive he was, something that the college world had never really seen. Uh, I think that if players were being paid, making money off their likeness, doing endorsement deals, advertisements, all these things – I think that Zion definitely would have gotten that money and he would have gotten it from some big brands. I think he could have gotten commercials with Nike, ESPN, New Balance, wherever he ended up signing his shoe. I can't remember. Um, but I, I think it all could have happened a lot quicker for him than it did, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a good point. So it, at least in my con, in my mind, when I was thinking about this in the context of this conversation, and it was kind of brought up because there's a new article on orangefizz.net that you should go check out. It was written by Brad Klein. It's titled, how would the proposed NCAA player endorsement plan affect Syracuse? I was thinking Syracuse players. And you make, you bring up a good point where the Zion Williamson's of the world are going to get attention from those big companies, those Nike and those Adidas and whatever you want to say. I was kind of thinking of Syracuse players. And when I think the extent of, of sponsorships that Syracuse players could actually realistically have is Tommy DeVito is, is a sponsor of some local uh, car dealership in Syracuse. I think that's as far as Syracuse players can go because they honestly, whether it's their basketball team their football team, uh, men's and women's lacrosse, men's and women's basketball, where whatever you want to say, they just don't bring in the biggest of names. I mean, lacrosse does, but lacrosse is just a smaller market. Um, so at least in the context of Syracuse, I don't think it's going to change that much. Now, you brought up a point that I want to touch on a little more is the whole locker room dynamic. Like, what I think about is – 
how weird is it going to be if Buddy Beheim walks into the locker room and everyone knows he just signed a big sponsorship deal and is making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year for playing college basketball. But on the same token, Jesse Edwards or someone else who doesn't have as big of a name isn't making that money. Does that make it a little awkward? Because at least in my opinion, it does. Um, it, I mean, on paper, it might seem like it would, but I, I think that when it comes down to the maturity of these players, I don't think it should. Uh, I, I think that the point you're making is similar to any situation in an NBA locker room. Say you're Alex Caruso on the, on the Lakers and you know that LeBron's over there making. In the NBA, they understand that they like, they, they are built for that. I feel like in college basketball, there are a lot of people that have fragile feelings and are going to get like hurt about it. I don't know. I mean, I, I think every player has their own swagger to them and, and they, they all have incentive to grow their own brand. And I, I think that this opening up this world of, of uh, extra endorsements and advertisement to these players is actually going to give them a lot more incentive to grow their own brand. You mentioned Tommy DeVito for uh, the football team. He's not the best quarterback in college football. He's far from it even but he is probably one of the, the most uh, into himself kind of players on the team. You ever see him walking around campus? He's got his big TD 13 chain. <laughs> he's got all of that, all the swag. Uh, you know, that guy's going to be like, he could, he could get more attention just by him growing his brand, being that guy. And I think that's what's going to incentivize players and motivate them to keep moving in that direction in more of a, a pro setting. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I also like, okay. If you think that that locker room isn't that locker room dynamic isn't going to be messed up, how about the whole campus feel in or the whole feel of SU athletics when these football players and these basketball players are making a lot of money and signing a lot of deals, but then maybe the field hockey or the track or the smaller sports that get less attention don't get those type of things. Like I just feel, and again, I I want to preface this with. I am totally pro allowing the players to make their dues because they bring in so much money for the, for the universities that they deserve to get paid if they can work for it. But I feel like it's gonna, there is still going to be a lot of controversy, even though a lot of people are pushing for this. Once they get it, they're still going to be upset because it's not going to be even across the board. Well, that's what this, the, the conversation leading up to this decision has been about. That's what the controversy surrounded is uh, do other students on campus feel uh, equal to these players because they're both called students, you know? Uh, do players who are playing in lesser non-rev sports, just like field hockey or track and field, who aren't going to get the big bucks, do they feel the same as their fellow uh, athletes who are on campus? Uh, I think it's definitely going to be something that, uh, appears and we're going to see uh, as fan base uh, our favorite teams, how they're going to interact, how the different controversies that arise. Because I don't, I, I really guarantee that this is not going to be a smooth road with this uh, new uh, decision. But there's going to be kinks to work out. There's going to be bumps in the road. But I think that in the end, this is the correct decision for the NCAA, just because they have to keep players interested because without the players the fans don't come without the fans there's no money 
completely agree. Now let's switch over to one other and let's just touch it quickly before we go to break. There was another thing that the NCAA said uh, the other day and came out with. They said, and there's been a lot of conversation about this topic as well, is allowing transfers just to play immediately and not have to sit out a year. Um, and they came out and said, we don't recommend that. We are not really going to allow that to happen at this moment. Matt, your quick reaction to that before we go to break. I think they absolutely should be able to play right when they transfer. You shouldn't be wasting somebody's, some of one of their prime years of athleticism just sitting on the bench because they transferred to a new school because their old school didn't give them the same opportunity that this new one did. Uh, we saw with Elijah Hughes, he had to, he had to, um, we, we saw the same situation. So I, I think that they should be able to play immediately. Yeah, I mean, I do see the other side of it where it can create super teams in college basketball. Um, it might just like confuse things with players probably wanting to switch more often. Um, so I kind of see where they're coming from. And I also think that the NCAA is very one-sided with their thoughts and they can only focus mm -hmm. on one thing at a time. I don't think it's that yeah. great of a run organization. Um, and I think they're trying to focus all of their – mind power right now on this whole name image and likeness conversation and maybe that transfer portal situation gets pushed down the line yeah and i understand that they are trying to avoid super teams and a free agency like uh system but we've we've seen super teams before and we've seen them get beat uh i don't think it should be as much of a worry as it is that's what college basketball about the cinderella story that's what people come to watch all right well, that's going to do it for our first little section here on Fizz Radio. We're going to take a quick break, step aside, and we'll be back with predicting some future Syracuse NFL prospects. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to The Score 1260 for some Fizz Radio on your Saturday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte working remotely. And Matt, we just talked about how the NCAA is changing some things up for name, image, and likeness. Now let's talk about the pros where they can actually earn some money and maybe some future Syracuse football players. I know we a lot of our conversation has been about basketball so far, but a lot of football players they could start to get into the NFL and the NFL draft in 2020 just happened last weekend. Alton Robinson and Sterling Hoffrichter got drafted uh, one in the fifth round and one in the seventh round. And now let's look to the future. So there are some names coming up and let's kind of just predict what type of NFL draft prospect some of these Syracuse players are. And let's start in the draft of 2021. Um, the biggest name that I think of when I first think of this is a guy that still has another year of eligibility after 2021, but if he's smart, he would go directly to the draft, and that's Andre Sisco. Yeah, Sisco, he, he's definitely the best player on that defense. He was the best player on that defense last year as well. He's an incredibly good player, a good player in the secondary. He can play safety, he can play strong safety, free safety, and uh, any corner spot. He, he's an incredible defender, and he's definitely going to go first round in my opinion. Yeah, so I think as of right now, assuming that we have a football season, let's, let's get that out of the way. Assuming that we have a football season, Cisco continues to be the ball hawk that he is. That lands him late first round, in my opinion. 
um, also depending on where teams land and the needs of those teams. But I, I, I see him in late first round. If he ever falls, it would be early second round. I don't think he even gets to the third round. Yep. And if he does, that, that he that he that's a steal. Really, yeah, it's a steal, and he did something very bad this this upcoming year. Um, but I think that if he improves from last year to this year, where he still can improve, but if he just stays even, he's going to be late first round. If he improves and shows it even more, and personally in Syracuse's new defensive scheme that they're running the 3-3-5 it allows him to be more of a focal point because there's more DBs out there and he as the safety is going to have more opportunity they like to run different types of blitzes um, he can show that he's not only a ball hawk but he can get in the backfield maybe have some safety blitzes once in a while um, so I think this new scheme is going to benefit him a lot and if he shows that he could go mid to early first round as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Jaron. I think it's all going to come down to him being able to show his versatility on the field. Any NFL scout is looking for a guy to be able to play his position well, but play it well in multiple facets. So like you said, you're going to want him to be able to pick the ball off. You're going to want him to uh, deny the defender the ball. And you're going to want him to see him get into the backfield, get that quarterback, get the running back, provide some run support. And I think it's definitely something he can do, especially with the 3-3-5, like you mentioned, a whole new defensive scheme coming in, something else for him to learn going into the NFL draft, something for him to show off to the more scouts. All right, let's move on to the next name of the Syracuse draft prospects of 2021, this upcoming next year's NFL draft. Aaron Service, the center or just really the general offensive lineman. He is a, as I called him in my new article on orangefizz.net, a look at Syracuse football's 2021 NFL draft prospects, if you want to go out and check it out. Um, I called him the Swiss army knife of an offensive lineman because he has been tested in different areas. And I think that he can offer a lot of different skills to whatever NFL team wants to pick him up. He can play he can play a center position, he can be a guard, and sometimes he can be a tackle. Uh, the only knock that I have on him is that he is a little small, 6'6", 291. That's, those are his numbers right now. It seems large, but for NFL caliber guys, they would want him probably to beef up a little more. I predict him to be a mid-round pick, uh, probably somewhere in the five or six rounds. Fifth or sixth round. Yeah. Service was a great player last year. With with Heckle out, he kind of had to anchor that offensive line. Right. The offensive line was absolute garbage, uh, but it was no fault of his. Uh, and the last few games we saw that Service, who played center all season to re replace Heckle, got moved out towards that left edge. And suddenly the, the offense turned it around. They seen they knew what they were doing. They got their stuff together. And they won a couple ball games down the stretch. So – uh, you wonder, was it that move that was so critical for the Syracuse offensive line? You put your best player in the best position, and that's what you need to succeed. Uh, I think service is an absolutely tremendous talent. To be able to still pull it together with such a terrible, terrible offensive line is something to be said. <laughs> All right. Because uh, they were awful, man. They, they were. The country. And they, I'll never let them forget it because they were terrible. They were horrible. They, they single-handedly – lost that season for Syracuse football last year. Uh, but let's move on from the offensive line to the defensive line. And again, you're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We're here every Saturday morning. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. 
And Matt, let's move on to the defensive line. McKinley Williams, who was out for a good amount of the games last season, uh, but he showed that he is very athletic and for his size is very quick. 6'4", 283, a good size for an interior defensive lineman. He was doing flips. Like there were videos out online of him just standing there and doing a flip. And if you, I mean, I can't do that. And I'm like six foot, 150. He's 6'4", 285. That's a lot of muscle to move around <laughs> and do a flip in an air, in the air. Um, so just that shows how freakishly athletic he is. I think he could be a very good prospect, probably a sixth or seventh round um, towards the end of the next year's draft. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he, he he could do a flip. That That's crazy for the guy's <laughs> size. Um, athleticism is something that is, is unrivaled. Uh, you can't teach it. You just have to have it, and he definitely does. So I think that'll help him. Um, I don't know where he's going to get drafted, but I don't think it's going to be very early if he does. No. the I mean, the one thing that he has to do is because he was out last season – He's just got to show it this year. And again, hopefully there is a college football season um, amid this virus pandemic. But if there is, he's going to have a lot of the focus because now Alton Robinson is gone. Kendall Coleman is gone. Uh, you think Josh Black and McKinley Williams will step up, probably Kin, uh, Kingsley Jonathan as well. So those three guys are really going to have to step up. And I think if Williams – can show the talent that, at least in my head, I think that he has, he could make it into one of those last few rounds. Um, before, before we move on to the draft class of 2022, I have, a, I have four different names for you, and I want you to pick one that you think is the best prospect for 2021. Um, so before we move on to 22, let's, go, let's stay with 21. Four names, Aaron Hackett, obviously Syracuse's tight end, Josh Black, a defensive lineman, Kingsley Jonathan, an edge rusher, and Abdul Adams, the running back. Of those four players that are about to graduate after this year and assumingly will want to try to get into the NFL, which of them do you see as the best prospect? I got to say I'm a huge fan of Josh Black. Um after the first, after the Liberty game last year, he had a few sacks and he was really holding down that defensive line. He, he, he kept up the good play. He led the team in sacks for a, lar a large part of the season. And he was probably one of the better players on that defensive line that was stacked with Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman, who both got drafted. Um, so if, if I'm going to pick anybody out of those guys, I also love Aaron Hackett, the tight end. Uh, I think he's a really underrated part of that yeah, offense, a really good number two option for DeVito. But I think I'm still going to go with Josh Black because I think he's got a lot of talent that isn't usually shown. My pick is Hackett um, purely based on the fact that I think all four of these guys are undrafted rookie free agents. Um, but Hackett is going to get a lot more of the attention this year with the depleted wide receiving core that Syracuse has. Um, if he can try, if he can take a step up, he's going to be an in-demand uh, undrafted rookie free agent where I think that he'll be just a little more useful for whatever team needs him more than Josh Black. But I don't knock you for, for choosing Black. He's a, he's a solid option. Um, but let's keep it moving here on Orange Fizz Radio on the score of 1260. And let's move on to the draft of 2022. There's just a couple names that we will go through. We don't want to bog down in this one because it's in a couple of years. But two cornerbacks, Trill Williams and Ify Melifon, two really good guys that have two more seasons 
to show how great that they are. Um, and I think that if they can stay healthy and if he, uh, Melifonwu did have some injury issues this season, if they can stay healthy, they'll go mid, both of them will go mid rounds, probably four or five. Yeah. I think Trill will be an incredible player. Um, he, we saw at the end of this last season, how athletic and, and crazy good, like just natural game sense he has with that, uh, strip six, um, that ice that Wake Forest game, and he did it in high school as well. And I, I remember that floating around yeah. Twitter that video. Yeah. Um, I think he's in a tremendous talent, and I think, like you just said, Jared, if you go mid rounds. Uh, as for Malafonwu, he has a high ceiling, but it's about getting there for him. He had his his moments this season, but he also had some really bad ones. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of growth that he gains over this off season. Hopefully, we get football in the fall, like you've said. Um, but if he can take a step up from where he was last season and get himself on a track towards that potential that everyone really knows he has, I think he could get to that same level that Trill's going to get to. But as of right now, I don't see that happening. I mean, I just like Iffy because, number one, number one, both of those players have two more years. I don't see them entering the 2021 draft. Um, so they yeah, have two know. more years at Syracuse. And Melifonu just has the size. He's a lengthy guy. Yeah. Um, and that, can, that can really help him. That's a, really what scouts will look for. Um, two other names in the prospect of 22. Um, the first one, Tommy DeVito. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he really has to improve. Really, really has to improve. This is a tough one. To see something. I think he does take a step up. Um, by senior year, I don't think this year because he just doesn't have anyone to throw to. But the brand new quarterbacks coach in uh, Sterling Gilbert is really going to help him, and I think that will improve his game. I don't know if it's as much of importance uh, of how well he's going to step up as a player or whether or not he's going to have a wall in front of him this season rather than just a paper That's a mache. Point. I mean, if he can't. If he can't get protection and get have time to scan the field and throw the ball, we're going to see him throw stupid interceptions again. We're going to see him roll out of the pocket one second after getting the ball into his hand again. We're going to see all of that over again if he just can't have a, a chance to really be a quarterback and he's just to turn into a running back, which he is not, um, and just throw picks. So I'd like to say that DeVito's going to take a step up statistic-wise from last season, but I, I really don't know, just depending on who's going to be there protecting him. Um, I think he does have the ability to get there, but it all hinges on the offensive line for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad because I think he has talent, like you said. He just has been dealt a really bad hand with now a really poor receiving core and, like you said, uh, just no one in front of him to actually guard and protect him. Um, last guy in the class of 22, I think this is simple. I don't think we have to have a conversation about it. Andre Schmidt. Uh, the Syracuse kicker, I think he's the best prospect Syracuse has had in a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, him and Sterling. Um, <laughs> special teams going off in Syracuse. Uh, yeah. STU, baby. But, um, yeah, Andre's a great kicker. Groza Ward in 2018, uh, he, he's going to get drafted, I mean, as high as kickers really go. So probably the sixth or the seventh. He's not going to pull a Sebastian Chanikowski and go 22 overall. But, um you know, he'll get there. He's a great kicker, a great prospect. Yeah, I mean, they just, like you said, they don't get picked any earlier than that. Um, but he'll probably be 
at least in my opinion, the first kicker off the board, if not the second. Um, but that's, that does it for our football talk. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about some basketball and answer the question, who is Syracuse looking at to recruit for their future years? Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. We're here every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday morning. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. We're working remotely. We're doing this through Zoom. A big shout out to Zoom. Um, and we've already talked about the NCAA. We talked about Syracuse NFL prospects. Now let's move into Syracuse basketball. So there is no basketball being played right now, but the recruiting situation and trail, not only at Syracuse, but across the country is still on fire. A lot of different players are making their decisions, cutting down their lists. And it seems like every other day we're putting a tweet out there about a prospect either wanting to come to Syracuse or not. And a lot is going on. So let's talk about some of those names. You can also read an article about some of the prospects that Syracuse is looking at out on orangefizz.net. Tim Leonard, a great staffer on the Fizz, wrote an article and it's out on our website. It's called Syracuse Basketball Recruiting Roundup, Orange Eyeing More West Coast Prospects. So Tim talks about some different West Coast prospects, and he starts with Frank Anselm. Uh, He's a center in the class of 2020, which means that if he was to commit to Syracuse, he would be on campus next year. Anselm stands at 6'11", with a wingspan of 7 feet and 5 inches, a long guy that could really shore up the middle for Syracuse. Yeah, I mean – this guy could be the perfect thing that the zone needs because, uh, as we know, Coach Beheim is not afraid to, to blame his players when it comes to poor defense. In all those press conferences I've been in, and I'm sure you've been in too, when somebody asks why was the defense so bad, Jim just goes, uh, because our players suck. So, <laughs> I mean, if, we, if Syracuse could get a guy like Frank Gansellum, who's long, he's tall, he's got that 7'5 wingspan, kind of reminds me of a Hakeem Warwick type get those blocks, stuff up that middle, it could be huge because think about it. When is the last time Syracuse has had a big man that's been effective on defense and somewhat competent on offense? To me, it's, it's been Rakeem Christmas or James Sutherland or, or Fab Mello back in the early 2010s. These guys like Pascal Chukwu and now Barama Sadibe and Jesse Edwards, they just haven't been that for Syracuse. Obviously, we're waiting to see if Jesse Edwards can become that, but – Syracuse has been without that for so long and that's why they've been deprived of so many wins the amount of times I've been watching games and I just see some other random guy I've never heard of just be able to to make a layup or, or block one shot on defense to dominate the Syracuse center is appalling because you can't win a basketball game when your defense relies on being big when you're not big and you don't have any athleticism so having this guy on the team could be great next season Jared's yeah. laughing at me because I'm getting so animated about this, but it's important. If you're not, if you're going to want to win games, this is what you need. Especially in the ACC, one of the best conferences, arguably, I would say the best conference in the country. And the thing is, you're right. It's been a copy and paste of who they're getting at big man. I mean, Jesse Edwards is Brahma Sidibe and Brahma Sidibe is Pascal Chukwu. 
And Anselm is a tall, lanky guy, but he also is very, very talented and has more control of his limbs than some of the past Syracuse big men. Um, now, Anselm's story is that he was supposed to go to Georgia or, or LSU um, or Alabama. Those SEC teams. Yeah, any of the SEC teams. He had those top three. Um, but then LSU grabbed a, a different commit and finished out the amount of um, scholarships that they had. And with that, Anselm said, okay, then I'm going to reopen all of my recruiting. And since then, Syracuse reached out to him. So he's on a list of about 10 to 12 different teams that are interested in him. There's no sign that he's interested back. But all we know right now is that he is interested or that Syracuse is showing interest in Anselm. Now let's move on to a small forward in the class of 2022, Chris Bunch. Um, I mean, he's a – He's a very talented guy um, out of what could be really what Syracuse needs after Elijah Hughes goes through. You kind of need someone at the small forward position. Yeah, you do. And uh, especially if it's a guy that's going to join Dior Johnson and hopefully uh, make that 2022 squad talented. Let's hope Dior Johnson does end up putting on a Syracuse uniform. But if you can – uh, join up with him. You've got some offense because this guy's got a good jump shot. He he's a little bit lanky, six eight, one eighty five, which isn't isn't what you like to see. But if he can get some offensive skills, that's what Syracuse is going to need. You've got Elijah Hughes now gone, so you lose that big part of your offense. And having a guy come in late like that could really help the program get something going on on the offensive end, and hopefully saving a team that's probably not going to have the best defense in the coming years. Yeah, the, the class of 2022 really interests me for Syracuse if it stays like it is and the, this whole G League pathway program doesn't take over. Because in 2022, you have Dior Johnson, and there's another five-star recruit that Syracuse right now is trying to get, Zion Cruz, who's going to Oak Hill Academy in Virginia, where Dior went or is going, um, and where Carmelo Anthony went. So if if maybe Dior can become best friends, which I assume that they will become friends if they're playing on the same team with Zion Cruz and he kind of gets him and brings him to Syracuse. Those are two five-star recruits. And then you add Chris Bunch, who is not a guard and it, it doesn't create a log jam in that guard room, but instead he's a small forward. That's another really talented top ESPN top 100 wing and if you get all of those guys in one one uh, class, that could really actually bring some legitimacy back to Syracuse basketball, especially, and I know we hate to have this conversation, especially if the old-timer of Jim Beheim is maybe retired by then. Just yeah, idea. I mean. Just an idea. Just an idea, yeah. <laughs> Never want to call for his resignation, but um, – you know. All right, let's move on. Let's let's get out of that conversation. Arthur Kaluma um, of the class of 2021. He's a forward, um, kind of a stretch forward. Comes in at six eight. He is getting some interest from other from some southern schools, but Syracuse also um, has been looking at him. He could help out in the interim before that class of 2022 comes in and kind of add some talent before they get there. Yeah, uh, this is a guy who can help stretch the floor for Syracuse, turn into a more of a pro-style offense that has big men who can shoot threes. 
but, you know, the kid's also got a whole lot of offers. He's got Oklahoma State, USC, Texas, uh, A&M, and Kansas. So I don't know if Syracuse is eventually going to get their hands on him. But if they do, it could be really, really beneficial. Uh, he could be paired with some of those younger guards, some of those some of that younger talent coming in, and hopefully help that offense out, and maybe that defense as well. I mean, when you look across the board at these different recruiting sites, he's a top 60 player in all of them. And even in the 24-7 sports, which you look at a lot, um, he's ranked number 14, or rather number 18 in the class of 2021, which would be a huge get. Now, the thing is with all of these recruits that we've talked about and even the other recruits that we've been tweeting out on our Orange Fizz page on Twitter, which go ahead and check that out, um, is there are a lot of high-ranking recruits that Syracuse is looking at, but this happens all the time. Syracuse goes after the big names, we get excited, and then the big names choose Duke and Kentucky and UNC and the Blue Bloods. and Syracuse is just left there with nothing. So as much as, or as, as exciting as it is to be able to play this game of what if, in reality, it probably actually won't happen. Thanks for being a Debbie Downer, Jeremy. You always need yeah, that. You're welcome. Well, that's how we're <laughs> going to end this segment, and let's move on to the final segment of the show. After a short break, we get to your fizz feedback. After a little commercial break, we'll be right back on Orange Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Closing up shop here on Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. We're here every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Thank you so much for tuning in this Saturday morning. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte, and we are about to wrap up the show. Just a few minutes left, and Matt, before we get into it, I just want to make sure that you are ready for some fizz feedback. And if I have to read out any names, hopefully um, they won't be too bad because we know in past weeks I've stumbled over some of our fans' names and I apologize for that. Yeah, they probably have a vendetta against you now, Jay. Anybody be careful. I see a couple comments and we'll get to them once we hit those fizz feedback polls um, and just pray for me that it's not too difficult as you <laughs> Well, let's get right into the first one, our first Fizz feedback that we posted earlier today, and these are the, the results when we're recording this on Thursday night. The first one is, if the NCAA allowed student-athletes to sign sponsorships and earn off their likeness, what Syracuse athlete would make the most? So I gave the options of Tommy DeVito, Andre Sisco, Buddy Beheim, and Joe Girard, and right now the clear favorite is Buddy Beheim, and I think that's just an easy, easy answer to choose because I mean he's got the last name Bayon. No, I disagree. Really? I, I really disagree. And I was in the clear minority in this vote. I voted for Tommy DeVito because I just think I don't care how good he is to football. It really doesn't matter to me. This guy flaunts himself like he is Joe Montana. Like <laughs> wherever he walks. He's got a giant chain. He's got the slick back New Jersey here with the Don Bosco. He's got all of it. Uh, I think he, he has the most potential to become an overnight sensation due to some kind of brand deal he could get. I, I think that he's got the most potential to be a guy that is flashing around the jewelry. He's, he's getting endorsement deals from here, there, everywhere. I think it's got to be Tommy DeVito. I get that Buddy Beheim's a lot better at his sport than Tommy DeVito is and that Buddy Beheim has a famous last name. 
But that doesn't matter to me because I see Tommy DeVito wearing the bling, and I, I'm just saying I think he's got it. He does have the swagger. No, I, I completely agree. He does have the swagger. Um, let's list out the answers here. Buddy Beheim came in first with 42% of the vote. Joe Girard with 31 in second. Andre Sisko actually beat Tommy DeVito. He had 12% of the vote. And then DeVito came in dead last of those four um, with 9%. And we did have one comment. I said, if you, if you have a different name, uh, comment below. And Cuse Orange Man 44 said Chris Elmore. I'm not completely sure. Much love to the Rhino. Yeah. Much love to the Rhino. All right. Let's move on to our next Fizz feedback. Which Syracuse football class has the best NFL prospects? Now, I want to make sure that this is clear because we had someone comment at us um, that was a little confused. This is Syracuse class. This is not what we think they'll enter the NFL or when we think they will enter the NFL. So we agreed that Cisco is probably going to be in the NFL class of 21 but Syracuse class, he's 2022. So the three options I gave them were the class of 2020, which is Alton Robinson and Sterling Hoffrichter. 21 is Service and Williams. 22 is Cisco, DeVito, and Schmidt. And this is just an absolute blowout. 84% of our voters voted for the class of 22 with Cisco, DeVito, and Schmidt. And I'm not really surprised about it. Yeah, I mean, this one was obvious. When you've got <laughs> the only guy who's going to be a first-round pick, you got to pick him. Cisco like, is going to be more successful than anybody we've seen in a little while. So what about Schmidt? Be them. Oh, what? What about Schmidt? Oh, yeah, him too. But, you know, we're talking about skill position players. Okay. As I said, Syracuse has become special teams you. That's all I'm saying. I just want to make sure that – all of our special teams are getting enough love and, res- and respect. That well, they listen, isn't that nice of you, Jim? I'm, I'm glad you're doing that for them. All right. Maybe they'll send you a nice postcard. <laughs> let's move on to our last Fizz feedback. Um, and actually, let's go back to this one. Just a little comment. Everything Q's commented, Cisco leaving after this year, hate to break it to you. That's a little confusion that we had. Um, well, again, everything Cuse, we agree. We totally believe that Cisco will be leaving Syracuse a year early. And if he doesn't, then honestly, that's a mistake. Um, all right, let's move on to our last biz feedback. Which former Syracuse football player that was just drafted will have the longest NFL career? I gave the options of Alton Robinson, Sterling Hoffrichter, Kendall Coleman, and other if you wanted to comment below. And as of right now, Sterling Hoffrichter has 64% of the vote, followed by Alton Robinson with 27. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Sterling. The punter's going to play the longest, right? I don't know what the NFL shelf life is for a defensive end picked in the fourth round or fifth round, but it's definitely a lot shorter than that of any punter in the league. So Especially a punter of Sterling Hoffrichter's status. Um, I think that he could go until he really wants to be done. Um, Alton Robinson, a solid player. I think he'll last a – he could be in there um, for like seven or eight years, but I don't see him passing uh, Sterling Hoffrick. That's all right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Orange Fizz Radio. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We are here on The Score 1260 every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We also write a lot of blogs and a lot of articles on orangefizz.net. So make sure you go out and check out our website. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at orangefizz.net. 
that's going to do it. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for being with this, with me for this week's edition. Um, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun too. All right. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors, keep your distance, and hopefully we will hear, we will have you back here next week for Fizz Radio on The Score 1260.